I'm Wesley with Tree Newell, and I'm here with James Allen, also from Tree Newell. Last time we talked about urban tree stress and what are some of the major causes of that. And so this time we're going to talk about what do we do about it. Um, everyone likes solutions, so um, they got problems with their trees. We got solutions for them. Yeah, I always try to tell people that I'm not going to present them a bunch of problems without solutions. Um, so yeah, no, we definitely have solutions. So James. Um, the conditions of our soil aren't always the best around here. So sometimes we've got to fix that. We call that soil conditioning. Can you tell me a little about that? So when I think of soil conditioning, uh, uh, what I like to explain to people is that we are, you know, supplementally adding the organic matter that soil and trees want to have underneath them. Um, you know, along with that soil conditioning, what it'll do is make it easier for the tree um, to, to actually, or the soil to have that, those nutrients that it needs in the soil by itself, as opposed to having to spoon feed it or supplementally add fertilizer, you know, it'll increase the actual, um, nutrients in the soil organically. Right. It also improves the microbiology in the soil, which is really important. You know, the, the, the little microbes in the soil, interact with the tree roots quite a bit and and they help each other and without a healthy soil uh, that that interactions reduced and you don't get as much benefit and a lot of times even with the fertilizers that people are using you have to have you know microorganisms in the soil for them to work you know they have to break down a lot of that stuff for it to actually be available to the tree yes so if you're just fertilizing a tree with poor soil quality you know and you're using soil release technology now, odds are it's not working as efficiently as it should. Yeah, you're not getting the uptake mm -hmm. that uh, you're you're thinking you're getting. Yep. Poor utilization. Yes. Right. So we talked about the poor soil quality and the uh, low organic matter. So the TMP really helps with both of those issues. Uh, we're trying to give the tree all the nutrients that it needs to run all its biological processes, but also improve the quality of the soil at the same time so that the tree can better utilize all the resources that are there because the tree gets all of its resources from the soil except for the sunlight. Yeah, and th th that's why when I go out to a property, I don't, I don't necessarily like to say that I'm fertilizing their tree. Well, what I say is I'm trying to make their soil better for the tree, you know, um, because we do have a lack of organic matter, especially in these, you know, heavily developed areas where they scraped it all off. And, uh, so what we're actually doing with that TMP process is trying to reincorporate that organic matter, um, to help with that, you know, aeration of the soil or, or the microorganisms, um, to make the tree happier because the soil is happier. Right. Um, another problem that we deal with in urban settings that we talked about is soil compaction. You get lots of machinery and foot traffic and uh, the soil just gets dense and hard and compacted over time. And uh, Having organic matter in the soil helps it resist that compaction. Uh, sometimes we get to the point where the tree's so compacted it's, it's struggling a lot and we have to do some more uh, intense remediation with the air spade tool, which is blowing air down to create pockets uh, in, the, in the soil where we can fill them with organic matter. Yeah, yeah, no, so I think that's why the, the best course of action is to be proactive with it instead of waiting until we know that's an issue, um, you know, let's uh, uh, make sure that what we're doing around this tree is protected 
um, we're staying away from what's called the critical root zone. Um, with some trees, maybe even, you know, one and a half to two times the critical root zone. And then we don't have to pull those out, but we can, we can do the air spade work to, you know, try to improve the soil quality and the aeration of the soil. Um, so even if the tree is stressed, it doesn't mean that, you know, we can't do anything, but at that point it becomes a lot more difficult and it can be a lot more costly. And, uh, had we been proactive, we could probably get away with a lot less. Yeah. Well, um, just trying to make the tree happy, have it, have a more natural environment is, is one of our goals. Um, you know, trees, when big trees get sick, it's usually not one specific uh, stress factor that takes it down. Sometimes it can be, you know, something like a lightning strike, but usually it's layers of stress. You know, you get soil compaction and poor quality soil and you get heat stress and drought stress and maybe, you know, a rough winter and, and some insect or disease issues and they start piling up. And uh, our job is to try to eliminate as many of those stress factors uh, as we can. And sometimes the urban environment makes that hard. Yeah. Yeah. Then I think, uh, well, they call it the, the spiral, right? You start with one stress factor and then you get to another and to another and to another. And that's what leads to, to tree mortality. And so if we can't eliminate as many of those stress factors, whether it's soil compaction or, you know, we might come to your property and notice that, you know, it's there's algae growing or something like that, you know, that, that, then we can help correct that so that it's not that big of an issue. Right. And, and another big stress factor with urban trees is water. Sometimes it's they don't get enough and sometimes it's they get too much and either one can be a problem. The tree needs moisture to live but it doesn't want to live in moisture. It doesn't want to well, it doesn't want to have a wet feet so if you know so to say. But um, if we can educate our customers on good watering practices that's going to go a long way towards healthy trees. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, you know, they have watering anxiety, you know, where they see something going wrong and their first solution is to say, hey, let me water. Right. And uh, uh, that's what this tree needs or that's what this plant needs. And, uh, you know, a lot of times it's just important that that we check, you know, and, and find out exactly what's going on underneath that tree. Yeah, if we don't have good drainage or we're applying too much water or not enough, it's going to create all kinds of stress for that tree. And it, uh, having a certified arborist that can differentiate between what's too much water or what's too little water uh, is really helpful for most people because they don't necessarily understand how to tell the difference. Uh, sometimes it's obvious. A lot of times it's not, especially with new trees. I get questions all the time about how do I water my new tree? And I, I give a a lot of broad advice on watering deeply but infrequently uh, but with the differences in soils and tree species and irrigation systems I can't really tell anybody they need to water for this long or this many gallons or this many times a week but um, the important thing is that they're checking that, mm -hmm. that tree to see if it needs the water and, and that the moisture is leaving the soil you know I mean if, if it's not leaving the soil even if you're watering you know once a week or whatever and you just have this super compacted clay pan soil and there's still moisture sitting at the bottom of it at the end of the week that's going to be an issue for most trees absolutely we plant a lot of new trees in our urban environment because the trees make it more tolerable around here especially in the summer they they take air pollution out and they they give us evaporative cooling and shade and beautiful aesthetics 
Um, but if we're planting them and we're not doing a good job of that, or we're not doing a good job of watering them or maintaining them, then they just suffer and die. And it's a big expense to remove them and then replace them again. Um, one of the big problems is what you just described where it stays really wet on the bottom of the root ball and, and then it gets really dry on the top of the root ball and that causes stress, stress on both sides. Yeah. And that's why I think that, you know, visual inspection tubes are a great idea, especially if you're investing a lot of money into a tree. Um, it, you know, that's one very easy way that you can tell what's going on at the bottom of that root ball. Because, you know, you can dig three inches deep if it's a, you know, a 12 inch, 18 inch, you know, tall root ball, you know, the top three inches could be dry as a bone and the bottom eight inches could be sitting in water. Yeah. So I, I think the key is just, we need to educate people because we can't be at their properties every day, but they are. Mm -hmm. And so they're the best ones to manage that. And, and they just need help understanding what it is that the tree needs so that they can best do that. So James... It's been really hot and we're getting up into the hundreds and we have certain trees every year that are the first ones that get affected by drought stress and heat stress. What are some of those species that you see commonly affected? Uh, the species that I see most commonly affected by drought stress are going to be, you know, trees that, you know, most people know are moisture loving trees like willows, um, maples uh magnolias you know um those are you know three of probably the top trees that i see succumb to to drought stress and uh it, you can usually you know tell pretty easily by the way that they're kind of retrenching back and you know that they're typically in areas where there's a lot of moisture yeah so maples magnolias definitely very sensitive we got a lot of those in the metroplex um if you start seeing scorch on your leaves or the trees shedding leaves those are signs of some drought stress and and you need to take care of that right away yeah and generally the rule of thumb is you know if you see a lot of you know uh, uh leaves falling on the exterior of the tree that's probably a pretty good indicator that you know you're dealing with drought stress could not be but that's a kind of a rule of thumb right there so james we get a lot of calls about sick maple trees and the, on the larger varieties like autumn blaze that are really popular or october glory um, a lot of times um, we start noticing problems on the trunk or on the foliage. So what are some of the things that you see? Some of the things that I see when it comes to those maples specifically is one, depending on where they are, you know, in the yard, they might get burnt up or leaf scorched or something like that where it's really hot. And, you know, whenever the, those leaves start to, uh, uh, you know, crinkle up and fall off and die, the tree's obviously going to, you know, photosynthesize less. And then that's going to leave it more prone to secondary invaders or other stress factors. And, uh, you know, another big issue that we see, you know, with maples or autumn blaze, October glory is, uh, something called an armored scale, which, you know, is, a uh, not necessarily a secondary invader but it just tends to like maple trees a lot and they'll actually steal nutrients from the tree and then once again make that tree more likely to succumb to all those other stress factors whether that's you know you have the scales mixed with underwatering or the scales mixed with overwatering or the scales mixed with uh, you know bad sunlight exposure or you know things along those lines yeah um another problem i see with them is is when they stay too wet uh, a lot of times i'll get a call on a on a maple and I'll go out there and it's July and the thing is already in fall color. It, the tree's red, 
Uh, it's maybe chlorotic. It's got some tip dieback. It's really stressed. A lot of times that's due to poor drainage where the bottom of that root ball is just staying wet and it's stressing the tree out big time. Uh, alternatively, sometimes it's too dry and the leaves are turning brown and scorching. Um, I've noticed one difference where if if the tree's too dry, the scorch on the leaves tends to be brown. But if there's an oxygen deficiency because the tree's buried too deep or has too much mulch on it, the scorch on the leaves is black. And that's one thing that I've just observed uh, through the years in looking at these trees. Yeah. And then once all that starts to happen, that's when you get the the wood boring insects and, you know, things that will, you know, kind of finish the tree off, not necessarily the the cause of death, but one of the executing factors. Yeah. So I, I think the point that we're both trying to make is that uh, if you can avoid the overall stress, that you're going to have a lot fewer problems, but it's knowing what stresses them out and what, and what keeps them healthy is, is the trick. So Wes, uh, here in the Metroplex, you know, we see a lot of maples planted, which aren't necessarily native to this part of Texas. So what are some of the stress factors or, or biggest issues you see with maples in DFW? Well, we do see a lot of issues with them because they're not super well adapted to our climate, but we continue to see them planted because people love them. Uh, there's a lot to like about them from their you know color and their pretty bark, but we have to make some uh, allocations for them. Uh, they don't tolerate our heat and drought very well. They don't like direct sun so harsh west exposure is hard on maples and we have to be careful to make sure that uh, they're not getting sun scalded wood boring insects too dry Um, so sometimes we wrap the trunks to help protect them if they're overexposed we encourage people not to remove the low branches so that they can actually shade themselves out and uh, and then we make sure that they understand the watering practices really well so that they don't get too dry and stressed out So James, we've also got Japanese maples, which are different than some of our big shade tree maples that uh, people plant around here, but they need a little bit different um, site situation than the big ones. Yeah, yeah. So Japanese maples, you know, are trees that are going to thrive in an area where they're not getting a a ton of sunlight, you know. Um, You know, if they are, it's probably just going to be that east morning sunlight where they're not getting butchered by the heat. And, uh, you know, in my experience, even when it comes to the varieties that a nursery or it might say that it's heat tolerant, they still don't do well, uh, you know, in full sunlight or especially south or southwest sunlight. Yeah, if they get too much direct sun in in the midday to the afternoon, they're going to get leaf scorch every year. They can adapt to it to some degree to where they don't die, but they're not going to thrive. They just need that morning sun and maybe some dappled light the rest of the afternoon at the most. Yeah, because you'll even see with Japanese maples, you know, that are in a shaded area where they get leaf scorched just because of the heat. And they're in a completely shaded area, you know. So I think they're not the cheapest plants either. So I think that making sure you plant them in the the right location is is important. Critical, because if you plant them in the wrong location, you're likely to lose your investment. Yes. So if you are planning on, you know, planting a maple Um, you know, you might, you know, make sure it's in an area where it's not getting too much, you know, west or southwest sunlight exposure, you know, maybe not in in too much of a, you know, an area you might know gets super hot, you know, like we were talking about the heat island effect earlier. Um, 
and so those would probably be you know good advice to to make sure that it does the best that it can yeah i think ideally it has a little bit of late afternoon protection from the sun if you've got a spot that uh, can provide that for a maple you're probably going to have better luck and uh, if, if it's out in the full sun it's going to be a hard light for that tree yeah. And aside from uh, environmental stress factors on maples, you know, another big issue is, you know, just their, uh, the way they grow, right? So there might be a specific kind of pruning that you have to do on a, a maple. Yeah. They tend to not form good structure by themselves. I, I tell people that they're, they're kind of like kids. And if you don't train them when they're young, they don't act right when they get older. And so you've got to do some structural pruning while the tree's young and, and more malleable uh, to encourage that good structure and it's going to pay off down the road. Um, so, uh, if you, if you got a bunch of urban trees and you got some stress on them, need some help, uh, come see us at treenewal.com or give us a call and set up a consultation with one of our ISA certified arborists. Thanks for being here, James. Yeah, thank you.